0: For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. This is Jonathan Smith, and welcome to the In His Grip Radio Broadcast. Join me for the next few minutes for old-fashioned singing and preaching. When you think you're about to lose grip on faith and life, remember this: for I am persuaded that. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good afternoon welcome back to our study in the book of Psalms. Today, we're going to be in Psalm chapter number 7. Psalm chapter number 7. We're going to talk about today victory out of defeat. Victory out of defeat. We're going to get right into reading Psalm number 7. And it says in verse number 1, O Lord my God, in Thee do I put my trust, save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me lest he tear out my soul like a lion rendering it in pieces while there is none to deliver O Lord my God if I have done this if there be iniquity in my hands if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me yea I have delivered him that without cause is my enemy Let the enemy persecute my soul, and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth, and lay mine honor in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thy anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies, and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded, so that the congregation of the people can pass thee about for their sakes. Therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, and according to mine integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judges the righteous, And God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordained his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity, and hath conceived mischief, and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit, and digged it. "...and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High." That is correctly reading Psalm chapter number 7 when you have a bible that generally has the little inscription above the book of Psalms you will see that this one says Shagion of David which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite so we can see that this word Shagion in the title it literally means this to cry out in the time of trouble in the time of danger and in a time of pain. We can see that David is distressed, and he's crying about these ridiculous or slanderous charges that this man named Cush has made against him. Now, evidently, we can look and study that this is the time where David's life is on the line. He is being hunted from place to place by King Saul, who had one goal in mind, which was to find David. And to kill him. Now, we can see how this psalm uh, shows how we should act when we are persecuted, attacked, or accused falsely by someone. I don't know about you, but I'm old enough to have been in this situation where I have been accused unjustly, where I have been attacked because of maybe the envy of someone else but this psalm tells us how we should act and again our title for the uh, psalm chapter number seven would be victory out of defeat so we see in first peter verse uh, chapter four verse nineteen we read this wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of god Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And we also see in Romans 12:19, "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give plate, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, "Vengeance is mine." I will repay Seth the Lord so we need to understand right off the bat when we get into a place where we are attacked or we are falsely accused if you will by the brethren or maybe a a, a, a non-christian if you will vengeance is not for us to partake in. A lot of people will find themselves wasting their time trying to put out fires, and all we need to do is put our trust in God. And I, I have learned this, and I'm, and again, I'm, I haven't hit 40 yet, but it's knocking at the door fairly quick, quickly, But I have learned this, is that if people are dumb enough to believe something about me without checking in with me, then I'm dumb enough to just go ahead and let them believe it. But at times, there are times where it feels like our life is at stake. And no doubt, David right here, his life is at stake. He is running for his life because... Of these accusations, if you will, from the man named Cush, and we understand that this could be the time where Saul himself is trying to find David to kill him. So we're going to look at three things as far as this goes, uh, as far as victory out of defeat. First of all, I'm going to look at our justification. Then I want to look at our judge, and then I want to look at our joy. So our justification our judge and our joy. So to get into the beginning in verses 1 through 10 we need to look at our justification. You say, how can you say justification? That is because of who our justifier is. When David comes face to face with wicked men he trusts, he prays, he searches, he testifies, and he confesses. We can find this all through the verses, but specifically in verse 1, 3, 4, 8, and 10, you will find these terminologies where David has trust, David prays, he searches, he testifies, and he confesses. These five things are what is going to bring victory out of defeat. We find this over and over in the book of Psalms. So to get into our justification, we need to realize just about four things under our justification. And the first of them is that we can, we might be able to plead not guilty of some particular sin, if you will, but we never can plead freedom from all sin. So when we talk about our justification, you need to realize, first of all, you may plead not guilty for a certain thing, but you cannot plead freedom from all sin. First John 1.8 states this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us." So that is a very stern, very uh, to the point and, and bold, if you will, but if someone was to say, I don't have any sin, then you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. Therefore, none of us can plead freedom from all sin, but we might be able to plead not guilty because of something specific. So, David, in our chapter number 7, he does not say that he is sinless. However, he does say that he is innocent regarding these particular charges that were brought against him. And when sometimes people falsely accuse you, you can say, I am not guilty of that but you cannot say that I'm not guilty of any sin because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second of all, we can say we may not plead guilty before uh, men when we cannot say not guilty before God. You know, we can look at the life of Job. You know, he vindicated himself before his friends, but in the presence of God, he fell on his face and he repented, and the, the way they did things in the Old Testament, in sackcloth and ashes. So there's times that we may not be guilty of all uh, of a particular sin, but we are guilty of some sin. And second of all, we may not be guilty before men but we always should realize that we are guilty before God third we may not plead guilty before God when you can rest in the merits of Christ let me say that again you may not plead guilty before God when you can rest in the merits of Christ now Like I said, you may not be guilty before men, but you are guilty of something before God. But you may plead not guilty before God when it's not about you but you're resting in the merits of Christ Romans chapter number 8 verse 1 gives us the the merits of Christ of being not guilty through him and this is what it says Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. If you are a child of God and you have been put under the blood of Jesus Christ, they will never be brought up again. Now we know that we are guilty before God. We know that we are not perfect. We know that we are not sinless. But through the merit of Jesus Christ, He has put it up under the blood, and through the blood of Jesus Christ, that is the only way we could plead not guilty before God, but that's only through Him. And then fourth of all, as far as our justification, you can justly plead not guilty before God and man, we, uh, we will ultimately be acquitted, okay? When you can plead not guilty before God and man, you will ultimately be acquitted. Let me explain that. In 1 John 3.21 it says this, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So when you can justly plead not guilty before God and man, you will ultimately be acquitted. Because your heart doesn't condemn you, and you can have confidence toward God. So summarizing all of those little four points, I want to bring this to you, is that David's prayer is not directed against an individual foe, okay? It is against wickedness in general. So when we look at verse nine, he says, "'The Lord shall judge the people. "'Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, and according to mine integrity that is in me." So we see that David's final plea is God himself, and he knows that God will condemn the guilty and then establish the just. Aren't you glad that you can find justification in the eyes of God. In this case, we know David is not guilty of what he is being accused of. He is innocent, but he's letting God take care of the matter because if he knows that he just trusts God and he does all the things that he normally does, which is trust God, pray to God, search himself for the truth, testify and confess what he does know is true, then God will take care of the rest, and in the end, he will be justified because God said that he would do that. So first of all, when we're talking about from uh, from victory uh, uh, to victory out of defeat, sorry, my uh, brain cut a backflip there, but victory out of defeat is, number one, our justification. Then we can go down and look at our Judge, which we know is God himself. So we got a couple of things we'll look at here. Is first of all, we can see the admonition of God. Admonition of God. We know in verse number 11, it says, God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Not some days, not part-time, but God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day day. This is not a a temporary emotion or a sudden outburst. It is a constant that you can bet your life on. It is continual, it is uniform of God's attributes and His unchanging nature. God will always oppose wickedness no matter what form that it might be in, and God hates sin in all forms as well. Now we gotta understand sometimes we gotta love the sinner but we never have to accept we never have to conform to or allow or or promote or sweep under the rug, if you will, sin. We have to love people because, like I said before, we are justified. That doesn't mean we are perfect. All of us are guilty of something. But the admonition of God is that he is angry with the wicked every day because he opposes wickedness and he hates sin in all ways forms Then we can see the amnesty of God the first four words imply in verse number 12 if he turn not that's a pretty bold statement there but we see if the wicked will turn all will be well but if he will not turn then all will be lost in other words you've heard the phrase before turn or burn you know all sinners have the ability to turn to God, but if they choose not to do so, then they will burn. Acts 1730 states, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now you don't you don't find preachers nowadays that want to preach on repentance. Uh, you can't find preachers much that'll preach on sin, much less preachers that'll preach on repentance. But the Bible specifically tells us God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This means that <laughs> all men will not. All men will not repent. All men will will not turn to God. That's His desire. That's why He came and died. That's why He gave His only begotten Son. And that's why He paid the ultimate price that none of us could, could pay, is that all we have to do is just turn to Him and repent. And sad to say, some people are just gonna burn because they refuse to turn. So we see the, the admonition of God that he, he's angry with the wicked, he hates sin, he opposes wickedness. We see his amnesty that, it, you know, he commanded everybody to repent, but not everybody will. But let's look at God's arsenal. When we look at here, we can mark the variety. We can see the many weapons that God has in his armory. In our passage, We can see he uses the sword. We can see that he uses the bow. We can see that with the bow, he uses the arrows. But we also know that God uses storms. He might use diseases. He can use wars. He can use famines. And he can use your own conscience. But let me tell you, God has an arsenal of a variety and a multitude of weapons. And he is not hesitant to use them when he needs to. So not only do we see the the, the armory and the, the variety of these weapons, but we can see the, the readiness of this weapon that we see in our passage. When we look at verses 12 and 13, it says, "...if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready I don't know about you I'm I'm not a bow hunter but I have shot bows and when you bend that bow and you make it ready you are ready to use that weapon he has also other instruments that he might use now here's something you think the wrath of God may appear to be slow but I guarantee you it is always sure I don't know who said that but I will tell you God's wrath sometimes it may not seem like it's on time like it should be but marker down it is coming it is sure it will happen so we also can see the accuracy of these weapons the the scripture here in Psalm 7 actually says they're called the instruments of death You know, the sword of the Lord is never sharpened in vain, okay? Neither is his bow bent unless an arrow is about to fly. When you're wetting your sword, when you're sharpening it, and you're getting it ready to cut something, you're not doing that just to do it. You're preparing for battle. When you are bending your bow, you are fixing to put an arrow in it. So let me tell you, God's weapons are accurate. They're ready, and He is effective. And woe to the man that tries to stand against God's weapons. You might be able to handle. Uh, the weapons of man but you will not be able to handle the weapons of God in verses 14 through 16 you can see that wickedness uh, uh, works uh, to its own woe and the unrighteous to their own undoing so wickedness will fall into their own woe and the unrighteousness will fall into their own undoing you know all sin is doing is like revenge, and he who digs a pit for another digs a grave for himself. Let the accused make lies about you, or, or the accusers lie about you. Let them speak. Uh, uh, rumors, if you will, you just trust God like David did. You just have faith. You just keep your nose clean and do right. And I promise you, you your justification will be in place and your judge will be ready to act. And we're talking about this afternoon, victory out of defeat. Know that you are justified. Know that you have a judge that is standing in your corner. And then last of all, you can have singing because of the joy that you have so from our justification and from our judge then we can come to the place that we can find our joy psalm 107:2 says let the redeemed of the lord say so you know god when he blesses us you we should talk about it we shouldn't be silent this is the we have a gentleman in our church that always says he said this is the quietest world we will ever live in we should not dare keep silent about the things that god has done for us Yes, we go through hard times. Yes, we might experience things. But when we begin to count God's blessings, when we begin to sing or we begin to praise and we begin to thank God for His blessings, we will find out that we're better off than we've ever deserved. David begins this psalm in prayer, but he ends it in praise. Fearless trust is sure to end in fullness of praise. Again, let me say that again. Fearless trust is sure to end in fullness of praise. Now, I want to talk about four things, and then we'll wrap up our study for Psalm chapter number 7. Regarding our joy, first of all, I want you to see that God's justice may be obscured in the beginning but it will be vindicated in the end. So in the first verse we can find that God's righteousness is hidden. It appears that the wicked seem to have victory or they seem to triumph. But the last verse is very clear. It will tell you that the wicked had been punished. It will tell you that the righteous has been vindicated and the Lord will be praised so when it seems like in the beginning that everything is going wrong let me assure you that in the end everything will be right second of all we can see that the Saints may have beginnings of sorrow but in the end they shall be triumph. you know at the beginning David is weeping but when it is over he is singing and he is praising we all know that Tears may endure for the night, but we know that joy will come in the morning. So we're talking about our joy. When the beginning seems obscured, we know that in the end it'll be right. When the saints seem to sorrow at first, I can rest assured that we'll have praise, we will have singing, and we'll be triumphant in the end. Third of all, we can see that a sinner's beginning, it might seem glorious, it might seem grand, it might seem like the best thing in the world, but his end always ends in disaster. At the beginning, the sinner, it, it, it shows him as a lion, it shows him strong, it shows him proud, it might even show them dominant, but in the end, he is cast into a pit. So let, let's, let's recap that for a second. The sinner, it appears grand. It appears that everything's great. That they might be strong, they might be proud, they might be dominant, but in the end, they will be thrown into a pit and their life will be a complete disaster. So we can see our joy will come in the end. Last of all, I want to look at something real quick, is that God's people are often, often slandered. God's people are often accused falsely. And I know I've been there. Like I said, I have the scars. I've uh, I've took the pictures. I've got the t-shirt, all all the funny catchphrases you want to say. I've been there falsely accused. I have been slandered. But let me tell you, even though it is very hard, even though that it is tough, even though it might keep you up at night crying, that in such cases it's best not to defend yourself. It is best not to try to take matters into your own hand. It is best that if you go, like the psalmist here, that you go to God about it. He no doubt will judge the wicked. He no doubt will vindicate the righteous. We've seen that in our passage. We saw that in the beginning, it looks like the just is gonna be obscured and it looks like everything's gonna be lost. It looks like the saints are suffering. It looks like the sinners have everything together. But in the end, we will be vindicated as a child of God. We will come out triumphant and the enemy will always end up in a pit an incomplete disaster. The law of retribution works with exactness. The law of retribution works with exactness. And in spite of trouble we should sing. This psalm is a great psalm. I pray that we have learned the lessons that are in this psalm. We can apply it to our life because in the end if we're going to get victory Out of the defeat in our lives, specifically when we are falsely accused, know that in the eyes of the Father, you are justified. Know that in the Father, you have the best judge. And know that in the end, you'll come out with joy. We have now come to the end of our time today. I hope and pray that today's broadcast was a help and blessing to you. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at inhisgrip at inbox.com. Again, that is inhisgrip at inbox.com. But before I go, I just want to remind you one more time that you... Are in his grip. Isaiah 41 13 says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Join us at the same time next week for more old-fashioned singing and preaching. I am Jonathan Smith and thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to the In His Grip Radio Broadcast.